you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Together, and it might be the green and orange kind of make each other swim instead of being compatible. Right. Like red and blue do. Anyway. Well, do you remember that REM album, Green? Uh, yeah. The whole cover was orange, and if you stared at it long enough and then blinked, you would see orange in your... Uh, oh, see now that makes sense. Exactly. That's that's you know I the what rods cool. get tired, yeah. and so that that's a whole bunch of cool optical illusions are like that, where you stare at something and then look elsewhere. Yes, and you see the the negative of it, the opposite of it, right. the antithesis, like you said. That's I, that's interesting. You know what? I'm going to have to do that. My my cousin's kid, our grandson, uh, is he's uh, got autism, uh, but his IQ is above the charts um i mean you know this kid we were uh throwing uh rocks into the lake okay the kid's seven and he goes well if you want to get further you have to adjust your arc so it hits the apex and i'm like holy crap kid you know (laughs) and his grandmother goes yeah i don't know what he's saying half the time and he's only seven (laughs) so i've i've i you know latched on to the kid uh and every time i'm there i'm always like throwing things at him you know i'm like so is that an isosceles triangle fin and he's like well i'm not sure and you and you know that's that's the that thing you know we've talked a few times about the those litmus tests that you you got your mensa friends you got other friends and you can tell which is which because when you look at something you say huh i wonder if that's an isosceles triangle they either go who cares? And how do what I know that? Or they go, well, I'm not sure. Let's figure that out. Let's There's your differences out. right there. <laughs> yes. You know, it really, I have, both my brothers have children. And one of the delights growing up as Uncle Al was like, you know, we don't, we don't live near each other, unfortunately. And so you get to see him like twice a year, you know, for the, the Christmas thing or for the cookout or whatever else it might be. And so at first, I, I don't know, I'm always kind of joking around. I have a reasonable sense of humor. Little kids can really be angry if they feel they're being made fun of, but when they cross over that line into they get the joke and they return their own joke, or it was such a wonderful breakthrough to see a sense of humor to me is so much related to smarts because it's that ability to see the color red isn't just the color red. It means communism. It means fire engines. It means licorice. It, you know what I mean? You make those quick associations and then you start playing with, or the word red itself, it's Red as in the color, red as in I read something, and all of that to see a, a flexible mind is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Our family has always been game players, and so most of the time when when I would you know it'd be like teaching them to play various different games, and I would try to teach them everything so that they would have a chance to choose: am I a an acquisition game like Monopoly, and nowadays you know am I a resource management game like Settlers of Catan, the pure abstract games? The first couple of times that you play, and I don't know, I don't really coddle them. I give them a good game. I don't voluntarily lose to, to save right. their fragile ego. But having <laughs> said that, I remember playing a game called Abalone with um, my younger brother's son. And 
and realizing, wow, this is like two plies deeper in looking ahead. He's setting traps for me. He's like doing positional instead of acquisition. It was just such a wonderful revelation to say, today you are a man. You're playing a game with like adult <laughs> thoughts instead of just it's trying things. We, we, you know, we don't, when you we don't have any here, buffalo to kill, so it's got to be meeples. Exactly. You don't have to go. Honestly, it, there, that's, that's its own discussion. There, there really are reasons for those rituals in the past times where there were certain, you know, ages that you reached. And that was when you put aside the, the toys of a, of a child and became a man. And nowadays it's not that, um, I don't know, like certain, there's not certain ages. There's not certain activities. There might be like the first time that you, um, go on a bike ride on your own and go beyond the block that you were allowed to go on. You cross a busy street. Each of those things is a little thing where you, you give children independence. You give them right. risk. You give them hot, like, okay, figure this out on your own instead of just spoon feeding <laughs> them. And, and of course, yes. it's important to be still nurturing and still, you know, I'm here as your backstop, but I'm not here to do it for you. Let's, you know, everyone, let's put this thing together. Well, that doesn't look right. What might have gone wrong? It's not immediately take it aside. A little bit of what you talked about with the Pinewood Derby. Don't do it for them. You continually say that prep problem solving method of well, what went wrong. Let's back up a couple steps and reread the instructions. Oh, you missed widget A or whatever else it might be. You know what I mean? It's I, I agree with you with the gameplay because I was like that with my kids. I never purposefully dumbed it down to lose, but I didn't play games that were above their head. I mean, right. we started with color matching games that built a snake. So there wasn't a winner exactly. per se, yeah. but, uh, you know, and then when we moved into other things, like we used to play this card game called Neopets and I showed Colin how to play. He was like seven or eight and I played, I wasn't purposefully trying to lose every now and then if I'm like, oh, based on what he's got, I know if I play this, I'm just going to wipe him out. I would hold it for a little while, but if I saw he was building up, I'd play it. So it was always, it was very much that reward um sequence that they do in games now where yeah. the first 10 minutes you move up like five levels and it's like well to move to the next level now you need to do this you know right. and it got seriously quickly to the point where i'm like oh my god he's oh my he beat me again like five <laughs> times in a row and, and i for me i've always been of the mind that you don't want like you said coddle the kids you don't want to just i don't like the people that are like ha i creamed you dude, it's a five-year-old. Don't, you know, come right. on, really? Exactly. And that was actually a difficulty uh, originally with Gina because their the, her kids were not used to playing games very much. So okay. literally, we, we were playing uh, Jack, Jackbox uh, trivia. And okay. one of the things you could do is send a screw over to somebody and it <laughs> screws them. And then right. they have to answer in five seconds or else. Okay. And I was playing very strategically. Sarah was ahead of me. If she did not answer the question and I didn't think she knew it, she would fall behind. So I, right. you know, I was playing the game. She threw her controller down and stomped out of the room because I was being mean. Right. And, you had persecuted her. Yeah. Right. And Jason did the same thing with Uno. He was playing and okay. I skipped him and he started crying. And it, it, it took a minute to figure out exactly what was going on. Now they, they're much, you know, more adjusted, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll tell you, absolutely. I get what you're saying. And this is, you know, I, I tend to chatter while we're playing games and it isn't to distract them. It's more, I let them hear what my mind is thinking about so they can kind of pick up on it. Yeah. And it's, 
really satisfying the first time that you hear them kind of parrot back something that you had said because it, it, it attached, it penetrated, if you will. And especially very cool then when you see them not just like parroting it back, but applying it. First time, you know, we our, our family game has often been hearts as opposed to pinochle, euchre, other things. Um, the first time that you see someone like watch the spades and actually play the queen, knowing that the king or the ace is still out there and somebody else is going to have to eat it, it's such an incredible triumph of you're getting it. You're getting what's important. <laughs> you're getting that that little bit of paying attention, watching spades and hearts, can can get you an edge. And it doesn't have to be that it pays off all the time, but just it's so satisfying to right. be able to say, ha-ha, I got you. <laughs> yep. and, and like a little bit of hearts is, you know, who... um. This is an interesting difference between Colleen's family and my family. We really do play the game where, uh, who are you always trying to get? Well, the low man. Bring it up so that everybody is struggling equally. And a good game is when everybody's within like 10 points of each other. Colleen's family has um, targeting, and at least certain people do. And they sometimes they do it you know, the right way to help the kids against the adults or whatever else it might be. But sometimes it's really like, wow, that must have been a whole bunch of crap they did to you when you were young because now that you get the chance you just keep sending torpedo after <laughs> torpedo after this one person and it's uncomfortable for everybody else when they're realizing it that there's different games being played here this yeah. isn't only the you know move your meeple along the Candyland game this is assassination and one <laughs> right something. and that's kind of distressing but <laughs> One of the problems, I know, it is a problem. Okay, you've played uh, Plants vs. Zombies, Yes, I, I'm assuming. Fun right. little game, not that challenging, even at the hardest levels. Um, it's one of those games that if you set up a pattern, you can defeat every board with the same pattern, and you don't really have to think. That's true. Uh, and that's interesting because sometimes levels-wise, things you've learned up to a certain point, they have to get tossed out because they yes. know that and they throw something new at you. Some yeah. games are not that exhaustive and you really can right. get, get it and then play it out. So yeah. with that mindset, you know, I've played Plants vs. Zombies and I loved it, uh, but I'm like, eh, you know, now I kind of cracked the code. Right. Well, right. we've got a lot of games kind of like that, like Dominion. If you play the first recommended setup for dominion okay. there's really one strategy that will completely decimate everything in there okay. and colin and i have played dominion we're a lot like jody you know we're 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 done with our turn before the next person's even picked up their next set of cards and shuffled you know Great and we're just zoom, it's like speed dominion when it's just the two of us yeah. and that's because you can if you look over the cards ahead of time you get a strategy in your mind you know okay i want three of those and i want two or three of those and you know what you want in your deck keep it light and you get your combos all the time exactly there are certain people we play with and i'm not going to mention names and piss people off <laughs> but they think that well you guys are just way too competitive and showing off and stuff and, and but I'm, I'm confused by that because i'm like no that we don't think that way at all but to other people from the outside, it appears that way. Right. And, the only and, way to be successful is to be competitive, not to be, I'm thinking a little bit ahead. I know right. kind of the winning conditions and I continually edge towards them. I'm not trying to do it at your expense. I just want to do well by the game. The game yes. gives you a puzzle and I'm solving the puzzle. Right. I hear you. And, okay. and you know, I'm like, well, if we were that competitive, you know, you watch these poker players. They sit there stone-faced watching everything. There's no chatter. <laughs> I sit and I'm talking the whole time. I play games to be social. That's how my 
my yeah. introvertedness can be social isn't during games there you go. and it's like we're not really being competitive you know and they're like yeah and i hate playing with you guys because you're always this that and the other thing and right okay you know so it's a rough <laughs> thing sometimes i've said many times you can learn more playing games with people for an hour than you can learn in like five hours of conversation you absolutely know what I mean? you really get an idea of who's planning ahead who's who is competitive who's vengeful who's um, I don't know, just trying things, who's learning from each thing they try, and you can see them improving, and who's not. You know right. what I mean? So we, uh, often family games, we we absolutely go for, like, different people. It might be that it's a pure strategy game, and you really like that everybody's doing best play all the time. A lot of other ones, we make sure that there's a combination of skill and luck, so that it isn't just because I know more words, I'm going to automatically win at Scrabble. How about playing a thing like Quiddler, where it, you get luck of cards, and that, you know, there's um, anything like dominoes where there's a lot of luck factor. It's just nice over the course of the evening to make sure that everybody wins, that it isn't just, you know, the people that play a lot of games, they're going to win every game. How fun is that for the rest of the participants? That's why I like that around a little bit. Those co-op games like house on the hill where it is a little competition, but really it's, you know, more the whole experience. Yeah. We've got a, when we play magic, one of my friends, kids, uh, he has a deck that's pretty good, but uh, I, I knew what was in it, and I built a deck that was totally ready for it. So it was totally meant just to take his deck apart uh, Got from it. the rest of us. <laughs> but we also caught him kind of cheating. He would stack the top of the deck and then just shuffle the back set of cards. So every game in the first five turns, he got out every card he wanted. And you get an early advantage, and then you can play that into a win, of course. So so that turned into me catching him on that and building a deck that defeated his, so he had no chance, to now whenever we play Magic, he will completely lose the game just so he can wipe me out first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which i'm like whatever i don't you know and there's any number of games that it's kind of funny me and the brothers have played games for a long time and so we're quite competitive and when the ladies are involved our wives they'll often be like while well, bruce and i are just trying to kill each other they're just tootling along <laughs> killing us because they're gonna let us exhaust our resources and let us focus our attention and they just keep gaining those little advantages until oh well, I guess it's not going to be either you or me, Bruce. It's going to be Colleen because she can see that we're tearing at each other like the idiots that we are. You know, uh, that's kind of how politics really works sometimes. <laughs> see, like I said, you learn so much from yeah. gaming. Yeah. You know? In fact, I know I've done a lot of work in artificial intelligence. And one of the things you try to do when you're creating AI opponents is go with the stereotypes, go with the person that is all about I'm going to get what I want, and then I'm going to build barriers and keep people from getting my stuff. And if you attack me, I'm going to attack you back and take my stuff back, but I'm not going to adventure into your territory. Or make them random. Make them that they're the agents of chaos and that they just kind of lash out, um, not even equally. It can look like persecution if someone gets attacked three times in a row, but it's like, no, I, I know what I wrote here, and it really is just that you got unlucky that they decided to not only attack you, but like come at you with everything that they have. And if they like fall exhausted on the battlefield, that's the purpose of them. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you, I love playing games like a choir or where it's not like you and another person, there's like seven people involved and the, the multiple competing interests of all those people. And that every single turn, it kind of changes based on who acquired what stock, what tiles did they play? It's very cool to try to put together an AI that, 
um, won't immediately be, you can see what it's doing. And then once you know what it's about, you can use that against them. So it, it's I, one of the reasons that I've loved um, experimenting with genetic algorithms is that you don't have to um, imbue a creature with those characteristics that you would say, oh, it's going to be an aggressor, it's going to be a defender, whatever. You just give it little survival mechanisms for right. um, incremental advantage, accumulate resource, whatever else it might be. And then as it plays the game, you can see it getting better. And I love the fact that, no, I really didn't program this. This is nature in action. Things survive into the next generation because they have some advantage that they're going to give to their uh, you know, their successor, and you do that 10,000 times, and it's amazing the complex adaptive system that gets created, but only having said, um, make sure you always have food, make sure you always have a clear path to the water, whatever else it might be. It's, I love, uh, I don't know, maybe that's, uh, there's people call certain things God games, like civilization, where I'm going to build the world. I'm gonna, right. You know what I mean? But in my case, it's not only that I knew enough about it to make it work right. It was very cool to see this thing come to life. And that's more godly than anything else to me. It's like you have an initial starting condition set, and then amazing things happen that you didn't expect. How incredibly satisfying is that? Yeah. Emergent behavior. Oh, boy, I was, when I was working on Gambit on my GA-based um, uh, investing things, I devoured books all about complex adaptive systems and emergent behavior and chaos theory, but how, you know, Things don't all go to, I know this is getting really deep quickly. You know, there's forces in the universe, and one of them is entropy, the tendency towards disorder, towards randomness, that it takes more energy to order a system than it does mm. to keep it ordered. But that's not true. The spark of life, the thing that has those few things that say, live long enough to give your genes to the next generation, it fights entropy in a way. And so to see those things play out, like this is really the world. This is how nature works. It isn't only that things will turn to gray sludge because it always takes more energy. No, there's abundant energy in the sun coming and hitting our planet. And those that have learned to uh, make use of it, they they get an advantage because they didn't have to fight for what can I eat? What's the resource right. here? You know, a, a fungus, a vine that covers acres over the course of time. It didn't have to do anything except keep growing a little bit and never stop. <laughs> and, I, you know what I mean? And occasionally it might choke out another species because it's invasive, if you will. Oh, well. I And, it, you know, <laughs> you talk about that. I remember, you know, games back in the day that yeah. video games that the, the creatures would get stuck. You could, you'd know they'd get stuck in a corner so you could maneuver yourself. Now you just sit there hitting them you know, taking advantage of that. Right. And then I remember when the Xbox one came out playing Forza, they actually have, they, they use the cloud now. So they would record all of my races and you know, how close do I get to a curve before I hit the brakes? How much do I slide? How many times do I crash? How fast do I go on straightaways? Yeah. You know, all, all those type of things. And then they would create ghost avatars that would go race my friends. So when I logged on, I could race my cousin Gary, even if he was at work, but his ghost was tuned to the way he drives. So it felt like really racing him and it kept learning and doing all that. And now with some of the, the new systems, if they ever actually are available uh, right. and the cloud uh, AI stuff they're doing. Cause you have uh, server power, not local power that can drive those algorithms. Exactly. Yeah. It's got, it's going to be crazy with some of this stuff. I mean, from, I remember, geez, I remember on Commodore, 
when playing all the games and stuff and then realizing and discovering I can make my own game, you know, and that appeal, whether it was video games or board games or books or music, I was, I love all of those things, but I love creating all those things just about as much. And programming computer games is just so much fun because you know you're making a game, but it's programming and you're trying to get the best. It, it's the best of everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, but that's such a great way to, to say that. I mean, that's why I've always loved doing that. I I, um, I have never put together an entire skin to an existing franchise. You know what I mean? Some people, they start with Doom and they mm-hmm. make a whole cool Doom add-on that, that has its own creatures and its own weapons and all the kind of stuff. And they made it so that they must have play tested it to death. So it's balanced. <laughs> and I, I have never taken the incredible amount of time to, um, you know, I, to do that artwork, to do that AI programming, whatever else it might be. But I'm in awe of the people that said, what a gift you've given to the world that you started off with, you know, and, and if anything, the people that first did the unreal engine or various different engines that are running behind some of these games what a cool thing to say we're not just going to say we know how to do this we're going to say everybody take your shot at creating a cool first person shooter or castle defense game or whatever else it might be and then to see the the bloom the explosion of all the various different things i love that it's i don't know 13 year olds have a lot of time on their hands that i didn't have when i was already (laughs) working and then you see that wow this is so sophisticated but it's because the kid could immerse himself in it for an entire summer and out came atlantis or whatever else it might right. be and it's beautiful and it works perfect oh, well wow. there's a couple game engines designed for non-programmers uh the okay. one i really like is called game maker and okay. it's 2d it, it i mean you can simulate some 3d stuff but it's not designed for 3d worlds yeah. uh, it's a 2d uh game engine um but it's drag and drop for the most part you set parameters, just click, 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 and yeah. you dra- and they have a plethora of assets you can buy. So you can buy tiles and characters and just explosions and just about everything. So you can create just about any 2D type game you want with no art skills, no programming skills, just being able to drag, drop, and then you know set parameters. Now, it's not you're not going to just put down a character and, and boom, you've got a level with monsters you have to tell it you have to move when I do this. You have to jump right. when I do this. If I hit this, what happens? So it, it does have the programming logic mm-hmm. without having code, though it does offer a code language if you want to drop down even further because you need something more specialized and you get better. So it's a really fun one to play with. And I I mean, I, I went through some tutorials and you can create a, a simple scrolling, you know, Mario type game and exactly. all sorts of stuff. So very yeah. fun. I remember, you know, um, I so I'm trying to think where I read this. Maybe Wired magazine or something. But there's a legendary tale of um, a guy who created a game that was like perfectly addictive. You know, it was a little guy jumping around, kind of a 2D, um, you know, scroller. And it, when he 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 had like millions of downloads, made tons of money. But then he was hearing about little Billy didn't get his schoolwork done because he was only playing, you know, uh, Cave Explorer or whatever it was called. Oh, it's not in my mind. And he took it off. He took it off the app stores and off the market because he had like, it was too easy to create something that is so addictive that I'm really kind of hurting people and I don't need more and more and more money. He, he compared to games that are obviously designed to be perfectly addictive and that they, they don't seem to care as much about it. Right. You know what I mean? He actually, it was uncommon to see someone turn away from that kind of money 
because he was like, I don't want little kids to be never seeing the sun because they're only inside playing this video game. This yeah, there, there's still several out there. So it was, it was an app. It was an iPhone game. I mean, uh, yeah. There's still several out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a lot. I know the one Jason, that, I mean, there's Minecraft uh, right. and Roblox is a new one. Speaking See, of Minecraft. Endlessly extensible, as you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. They created oh. that environment and then just to see what amazing things happen. So, speaking of Minecraft, mm-hmm. I heard about this. Um, and now I've never played a lot of Minecraft, I just didn't get into it. My kids liked it, all the kids liked it. Did you hear about the, and this is my words of what it's called, but okay. did you hear about the Library of Alexandria they built? So I just posted about it like two okay. weeks ago. Oh, that you know, was probably yours then. <laughs> that's where it came from. Exactly. Because, you know, one of the cool things about Minecraft and other games like that is they really are, borders don't matter. Everywhere in the world can play. And the the cultures that were getting too oppressive, controlling what people were allowed to read, see, think, people found that in Minecraft, you could put all that into this wonderful library that can tap into and that they can read their own constitution. They right. can read history that has been denied to them. And I just thought that isn't that a fantastic purpose that the, Oh, it's just a game. This blows that out of the water about how you've created this virtual world that absolutely can have a real world impact. And I don't know if you're looking for how you're going to get uh, let, let's a, an oppressive regime, China, let's say you say, well, we have the, the great wall of China, the great firewall of China. We very much control access to the internet, except, what about the, you have a billion people, let's say there's a hundred million kids that are playing this thing and you cut off access to Minecraft. You know, you're going to get a wonderful hue and cry. Maybe nothing you have to worry about. They're only kids, but, but you're going to see real world impact from them saying, you can't deny that information wants to be free. That's you know what a I mean? very <laughs> passive rebellion. You yes. know, mm-hmm. I love that. And what a joy of having, what's a big, how do you know a place is civilized? Because it starts to have libraries because they don't just have that. It's word of mouth or bards singing or, you know, like (laughs) secret books. It's not confined to the priesthood who keep it to themselves that you start to say, everyone should be able to have this recipe, this, this, how to build a gun. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And the, the tendency that we have nowadays to like how many things look at the administrations we've had and who classified, very few things as secret, top secret, et cetera, and who clamped down and tried to do it here in the United States. And that's what it, what you couldn't have a better indicator of. Do you really believe in civilization or not? Do you really believe that people should learn these things and make their own choices? Or are you going to be trying to clamp down in every way that you can? Well, you know, to tie all that together, uh, which, you know, we could have used Markovia instead of a real world, (laughs) but, but, there are people that say we are living in a simulation that we're all just like AI <laughs> in a simulation. So it kind of ties everything from the last half hour all together. Somebody else is programming our universe and creating it. Um, so, Except, you know, no, I just, all I have to do is poke my arm and say, Nope, I'm here. You know what but I mean? Somebody it's, programmed <laughs> you to respond that way. This is no different than the free will versus determinism. That thing that's been going on forever. And it just is some people take, solace in i'm not responsible for anything i'm just acting Uh, out my programming and some people are like no i am not a number i am a free man and it you know you you gotta be somewhere in between i know that we're programmed by our biology and by our our (laughs) memes coming in and stuff like that but not entirely i know that i have original thought i know that i have impact that's not just stimulus response you know what i mean i'm i'm a complex creature not a skink 
that only <laughs> responds to sunlight and warmth and the biological urges. You know what I mean? You know, the other uh, thing I do with Gina and Colin, the, the cryptic collective podcast and right. the investigative stuff and that, that sounds, maybe we should talk about that. We, we've got so many mm-hmm. topics. I mean, we're going to talk UFOs. We're going to talk uh, just equipment. That's my thing. I've been in okay. delving into the equipment and fake how to fake images and videos and stuff and all that. So, right. Uh, As you know, some of the best debunking bunkers of things have been the people that they can create the illusion, the Penn Gillettes of the world, the amazing Randys. And by knowing that it isn't that hard to create this illusion that fools so many people, but nope, there's no spectral anything. I did it. I did it with this, you know, this particular film, light effect, whatever else yeah. it might be. So it, my guess is that's what you're going to, when you delve into, how do you get an e-reader? How do you get something that's supposed to sense, you know, those kinds of energies well, you can kind of fake that pretty easy that, with a yeah. nice, complicated-looking box that has a whole bunch of lights and dials on it. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I've got some thoughts on some of that, and we're delving into some of that. Yeah. We'll see. But we, we totally started on one topic for like two sentences, and then we've jumped to other things. It was your birthday, and your <laughs> shirt was a birthday present. That got us off on every other topic. Well, these other topics are cooler and bigger and stuff like that. My birthday is just, you know, but the, the fun thing I had with it is that, you know, Colleen and I are really good to each other. We take care of each other, and birthdays are an opportunity to just like, I don't know, shower the people you love with love. You know what I mean? And so hers being in July and my being in August, there's always the opening gambit of, I give her a whole table full of beautiful things, you know, like books and music and clothing and games and whatever it might be. And over the course of the year, years, you kind of just listen for what is she interested in? What does she wish for? And then it's a delight to be able to say, remember that thing you said like last November, I was listening and here it is, you know, that kind of thing. So of course my going first, then Colleen has the opportunity to like, well, I can fill the table too. And maybe one extra to be up on you. (laughs) And we're not competitive (laughs) in that way, but it's very funny. I, I tend to like, for instance, for her birthday, we, we saw a great concert with, um, Joe Jackson and Todd Rundgren, kind of more acoustic than with full bands, you know, on, on solo piano, nice. solo guitar, and so forth. And we just loved it. And we've talked about that as being one of our favorite concerts of all time. Well, just recently on the market came a recording that had been captured, not of the show that we saw, but of that tour. And so it was like, I know she's going to love this. And you're like squirming with, I can't wait for her birthday because, and indeed, we, you know, she's listened to it. She loves it. We had forgotten, like, the opening band, if you will, was a, uh, a string quartet called Ethel, and that they did figure into kind of backups for some of the other things. But it, the cool recapture of that memory, um, at one point, I had seen the Rolling Stones in a bar in Chicago. No lie, a place called the Checkerboard Lounge. After their concert, they came there because Muddy Waters, Buddy Guy, a bunch of other people were going to be there, and they wanted to play with these blues legends. Oh, my gosh. Here we are, white suburban punks, you know, uh, uh, getting into this. It's on the the bad side of Chicago, south side, like 70th Street or something like that, maybe 78th. (laughs) Who knows why that's in there, but I'm pretty sure it's 78th. And so we got in before the word got out, and then they were charging $100 at the door, and the place is not that big. So anyway... I had been telling this story for a long time of, I saw him do, um, you know, got my mojo working and, and Red Red Rooster. And like, of course, everybody gives you the look like, sure, you saw the stones in the box. And then she got this video that proved this thing had happened. And unfortunately, it's like, 
you know, we were in the far back right looking out from the stage. And whatever show they have of looking up at the stage and looking occasionally out at the audience, it didn't penetrate back to where we were kind of stuffed. But, and uh, so I love that validation, if you will. I love being able to hear it again. But this, I mean, I don't know if I have talked about this before. I was, I could have sworn that it was, these guys did these songs and it was kind of in this order. And I had like this, you know, photographic, phonographic image in my mind. I was wrong about tons of stuff. It wasn't Buddy Guy. It was, you know, Muddy Waters. It was, I just, they, they, I was floored by how I, I would have sworn. I would have like, you, you can put a gun to my head and I'll tell you exactly what happened. And I would have been wrong in a half a dozen different wow. ways. And I don't think it was, oh, you were drinking that night out. I think it was the excitement of doing it and the historic coolness of it or whatever else it might be. But at least, so getting back to the other, you know, the reason that it's fun to do these kinds of things is that we've had wonderful success, each of us occasionally in getting that Laura Ingalls Wilder book that she's read it exists somewhere, but it's out of print right. or a Kurt Vonnegut book or those kinds of things. And I've been able to find them for her. You know, I'm a good little searcher on the net and I go to a Libris and I go to all these various different, not only Amazon, but delve a little bit further into the people that handle the cool, obscure stuff. And we've both been able to do that, you know, just the right book or puzzle or, or music or something like that. Nice. So it's nice. And, 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 I don't know. I, she, she was, she knows me so well. You know, I got, um, uh, uh, a couple humor books, you know, one from Tom Papa and one from like, it's the, um, a whole bunch of female comedians talking about here's our favorite material. And probably nobody knows it because lady comedians just don't get enough stage time. And here's the, yeah. you know, they got their own little sisterhood that is like, let's get together this stuff so that we can share it with the world. Good lines. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, and, uh, Got a nice puzzle from Kid on Enterprises that actually I had been there for that because we had been at the art fair that they had a booth at. And it was like, oh, I love that one. And then, of course, you know, Colleen, why don't you go get some kettle corn? <laughs> and then she she sneaks buying it, you know, that. But I kind of suspect it. That's you know? good. <laughs> well, you know why uh, you, you remembered things incorrectly? Yeah. Because whoever programmed your AI intelligence must have messed up. <laughs> Exactly. There must have been between then and now. I had a couple of reboots and some sunspot yeah. activity, and my butts got garbled. You know, a rewrite <laughs> error on the disc. They were probably exactly. still using oxide, and they it messed up. <laughs> so I just and I know I got the cool new shirt, and and just that little swag fest. You know, we don't like only occasionally do we break the bank. Occasionally, I've gotten her like some really nice jewelry or something like that, or she's gotten me, oh, here's the certificate, so you can get go get your new I, you know, your Apple Watch or whatever like that. And But most of the time, it's just those little, like, a used book for eight bucks, but it's just the book you want. Exactly. And, and like that. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's, it's that little overwhelm of, wow. And I, I should have started by saying this, the coolest thing about her table is she makes beautiful bows by hand. She went to a bow making class wow. and really took to it. So just like I'm good at origami, um, she's really good at the beautiful patterns that you can make with tying. She has a thing called a bow dabra that is like a third hand for how it holds things while you're doing the interleaving and the anemoneing <laughs> of making a nice bow. And so it's just this riot of beautiful bows. The color is either matching the paper or in contrast to the paper. And she really puts like thought into it. So it's this symphony of like handmade beauty and 
I'm in awe of people that can do crafty stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've never me too. been a good artist, <laughs> so I can do origami because I can follow algorithms and I can make a beautiful little crane because I know how to fold precise the right and order. very distinct. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, but to like form a crane out of paper mache, where it would be like, oh, that's the neck and it's proportioned like this. I'm sure every one of mine would look like a dog, like a donkey, <laughs> like a, you know what I mean? I, <laughs> well, you know, I always have loved with my kids getting a few gifts that they didn't ask for. They didn't think about, know about it, trying to get something special. Now it doesn't yeah. always work out. You know, sometimes they're kind of like, eh. but for example, uh, at one point I got my kids a boom box. Now boom boxes mm-hmm. are hard to find nowadays. Mm-hmm. This one did play CDs, but it would also read off of a USB stick MP3s, okay. but it would also burn the CDs to the stick as MP3s. And I thought that was really cool. And they yeah. were both like, eh, who cares? My son just the other day said, you know, I still have it. I still use it. That was one of the best gifts ever. I didn't know it at the time. Exactly. And, you know, I've got my <laughs> Swiss Army knife. I got this when I was like 14. Still have it. Still use it. Still love Let's, it. Yeah, where's um, mine on my desk here? I, I have exactly that. The Super Tinker model is the one that I have. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you got me. Well, I mean, you only spent 35 cents on it, but it's still fine. The, the Star Wars comic <laughs> to help complete my collection. And that's, you know, I, you know, people are like, it's a comic book. Who cares? I'm like, but I've had most of these books since I was seven. Right. And, and there's a couple. of one to find. It's number yes. one. And so it's not, yeah. and even if it's easy to find, it's not easy to acquire because it's, I, I have all my stuff now, as you know, in my comic book database. And it just told me, wow, because of the Mandalorian or various other things coming out, you're, you're that little guy is an investment for you. He continues to go up in price. Right. So I'm happy to have gotten it for you. But I, please take care of him because you oh, it's, know what it's, I mean? exactly. it's in the, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> taken care of. And then Colin got me um, a gun, a little plastic <laughs> gun, because this was my very first Star Wars figure. And somewhere along the lines, the gun got went missing. Yeah, of course. Right. Uh, so he took it, he found it, he cleaned it up and found the gun for it at the store. How so cool is that? People are like, you got a little plastic gun. But it's that, you know, anybody could buy, walk into Walmart and buy a card. Anybody can walk into Walmart and buy balloons. Anyone can walk into Walmart and buy any game on that shelf that right. millions of people see and play. But he took the time to think of that one thing. That's that right. To I know will, you so well that you would yes. just giggle over, oh my God, it's, I finally have it again. Exactly. Yeah. That's that was definitely in my top 10 list of gifts ever. Exactly. Uh, getting that little gun. <laughs> What's funny, Colleen and I often like tread that line of, well, get gifties, don't get anything practical. And yet, we've been able to say, what's the kitchen gadget that she seems to really like? So uh, from in my case, at one point she got to eat an apple corer or an apple slicer. It's one of those things that, you know, you push it down over an apple and it makes eight perfect slices and the core is left standing. And yes. like I eat many more apples than I ever would have if I was still crunching them like this or having to cut it with a knife. So it's just, it, like having an ice maker, you use more ice because it's so easy. <laughs> right. This year she got me, you know, I tend to get, um, nut butters at Costco and because I tend to get like the all natural organic whatever you want to call them they they're only like peanuts and a little bit of salt there's no hydrogenation there's no additional (laughs) things no added sugar well you let that sit for a while and nature takes its course and you get the sediment and the oil on top (laughs) she got me this cool thing that you you take the other lid off you put this lid on with a crank that goes through a hole that has a gasket so that you can 
crank either there's one for turning and there's one for plunging to remix the peanut butter with its oil without oh, oil all over the counter which happens if you yes. try to do it with a knife or just you know that kind of thing they don't make the jars easy to do that it's like they, they leave this much room at the top it's like come yes. on because they're giving you your money's worth but then yeah. that's the so i just now every time that i get these purchases i, I get my little one or two pack from you know costco the kirtland brand and now I know that even if I let it sit on the shelf for a while because I bought the two-pack and I don't eat so much peanut butter that I'm going to go through it in a long time, <laughs> now it doesn't turn into this circus stunt of trying to get right, the right. back into the peanut butter. Yes. I got a cool plungerizer 5,000. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so, that's funny because uh, I like peanut butter. I like peanut butter sandwiches. I got to watch it because the bread and stuff is not right. good for me anymore. Really, I, right. I think it's gotten worse over the last couple of years. But – so I buy this uh, natural organic peanut butter. You know, there's nothing in it, but like smushed peanuts. Yeah. I put my name on it because the kids <laughs> will make three sandwiches in a day. And it's, and it's like, you, gone instead yeah. of you having it. Yeah. Right. You're not eating my $7 peanut butter. Sorry. <laughs> but the funny thing is my sister works at Stowe's schools in the cafeteria kitchen okay. and they get peanut butter in bulk. They get, um, uh, these big cases with like five pound jugs of peanut butter okay. for 50 cents a piece. <laughs> so, oh, man, because they're really, I mean, peanuts are a commodity. Yes. It shouldn't be that it's that expensive. Okay. So we, we gave her like five bucks and got this huge case of peanut butter. The kids are still working through. And I'm like, yeah, you eat the cheap crap. I'm eating this. <laughs> <laughs> it's for my it's, health that's what yeah right it's funny those things i just talked about where you kind of tie together because my favorite snack healthful snack is i cut up a couple apples and i dip them in a little bit of that peanut butter that i just talked about and so i'm getting you know all the fiber a little bit of protein a little bit of fat but not you know not too many carbs if you will even the fructose is not that bad and like on a hot summer day, I'd rather have that for dinner than almost anything else. You know, two apples and peanut butter is enough to fill me up. And it's like, yeah. like that was pretty healthy, actually. Right. So it's, uh, and, and I, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I think of, I talk about this online. I'm not sure whether it's truly geeky, but one of the, the joys that I take is the, I love kitchen gadgets. And so it's kind of cool that, like, in fact, I should mention this. The, of course, it isn't the Mixerizer 9000. It's <laughs> Grandpa Whitmer's. Um, peanut butter mixer and so anybody who's listening that wants to go find this i actually posted it you know on my facebook feed because out of all the things i talked about for my birthday that's the one that had people saying where'd you get that because i need that that's, too that's <laughs> awesome yeah yeah isn't that fun so yeah and, and we have you know the just the right garlic press and just the right egg yeah. slicer and oxo i'll throw a big uh, uh shout out to oxo out of all the things that we have they seem to be the ones that continually say how do we make this perfect yeah. It's got the perfect grip and the the pairer just never seems to get dull. It continues to do cucumbers just right. And I, I love having that arsenal of kitchen tools where it's like this is the perfect spatula, the perfect everything. They're really good at work all the bugs out of it and make it so that if you want a spatula, this is like perfectly balanced it's like a ninja spatula it's perfect you know what i mean <laughs> we've got uh one of their uh mix or uh measuring cups and when i realized how cool this measuring cup was because my mother always had measuring cups plastic or glass have the gradations on the side and you have to like look and you know our house leans a little bit because it's old so it's like oh wait you know, yeah. of, I got to get the meniscus. There's yeah. a good word. The meniscus is right on the line yeah. in the middle, right? Just right. <laughs> I get this measuring cups from Oxo, 
And I'm looking at it and it has all the gradations on the inside. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm pouring. I'm like, oh my God. That because is. It's yeah. That is so. The angle. I'm like, so now, um, you know, Adam will make something and use it and it'll be in the sink dirty. And I'm like, don't use that one. Use the other one if you're going to mix stuff. I want, you know, like, this right, is the one right. I like. <laughs> I, I still bake my breads uh, like at least once a week. You know what I mean? I probably have made 300 breads by now. And one of the joys of what makes it easy is I have really good measuring spoons and measuring cups and, and like, Whenever I need to do something, if I need to uh, chop up some walnuts or pecans to go in there, I have the cool thing that you just like, you know, put your quarter cup in there and you have a little chuk, 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 and in five, it's not me cutting it with a knife and them skewing off of the board because they're hard and they, it's, I just, I love having things that uh, uh, my, my energy is directed exactly to the job that it's doing instead of all the hazards of I don't want to have to slice a perfect slice of tomato or it's wrong. I got the perfect bread slicer. I got the, I, you get a good knife for slicing bread after you've dealt with bad knives that catch and push and crush. Boy, it's just, where yeah. have you been all my life? You exactly. Perfect bread knife, you know, yep. that kind yep. of thing. <laughs> so speaking of gadgets, I mentioned we got a soda stream. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. we've been playing that leave there next. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I see a lot of people like, Oh, I love my soda stream. It's so wonderful. It's all right. <laughs> um, okay. It's not, I, I'm, you know, I'm not raving over it. Like, oh my gosh, I'll never buy pop again. This is the best right. ever. And everything I put, you know, it tastes great. The, the bubbly uh, little stuff you put in your water. So you have the fizzy water with like, okay. tastes like crap. <laughs> we oh, have, we've tried oh, several. Neutral tasting. It actually tastes kind of metallic. Not metallic. It just oh, okay. has bad flavor. Uh, it's just, huh. you know, you know, maybe cause it's not sweet. You know, some people do like the flavored water, which is a hint of that. But right. honestly, I've never had one that I thought was like, oh, I'm going to drink that all the time. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> I guess it's like tonic water. It really is yes. only the carbonation, but it, it doesn't, it's not good taste. And when you go to quinine water, which is like, unless I have malaria, I'm not drinking this crap. Right. You know I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> you know? if you, if you're one of those people that really does like the the sparkling bubbly water the the okay. fizzy water mm -hmm. it's it's great you know it's perfect it is cheaper uh in the long run um but i was like yeah now the pop mixes which they okay. make different pop mixes and there's various companies out there um i i calculated it you know buying a 12 pack of soda. Uh, if you buy it on sale, you get three for X amount and you know how much a cartridge of CO2 costs and a couple cart of the mix uh, for this exactly. stuff. You don't save a whole lot of money if you're going that way. Okay. Uh, maybe the regular pop has a little less sugar may, you know, but I, I don't know if it's enough to say, yeah, everybody should have one for health. No, but uh, it's fun. If nothing else. Right. Um, so, I think how I would use it would be the, the flavors that I can't get because they're not mass producible. Like people have talked about, they love their cucumber water. Yes. I've never seen a cucumber soda out there. Right. You know what I mean? Even when I go to the exotic store and you get your sarsaparilla and your Green River and stuff, I just don't see cucumber yes. soda pop. You know and what I mean? That's so, where I'm heading with <clears throat> what I want to do is there's recipes online for things. Some of them are just simple. You know, uh, juice up an orange and put some in. I didn't need a recipe for that, folks. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Um, 
but then there's some like the root beers and like you said, the sarsaparilla and a few other things where it's like, you have to bake this or not, you know, boil this on the stove top. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so, so really so what it comes down associated with it, you know what I mean? Yes. You really have to like cook before you even get it into right. the spritzer. Okay. It's like when I used to do homebrew beer, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so really what it is, is you, you have mixed flavors and then you just have water that you put the CO2 into. And okay. so it's not even like it's the soda stream doesn't mix them together. You put the flavoring in afterwards, <laughs> which we thought was a little weird. That's not how we expected. Yeah, because you would thought that the, the act of effervescing would actually be what mixes it together well. You know, yeah, what I mean? they, they I say not. not to do that. Okay. You also aren't supposed to uh, juice like um, fruit juices because uh, uh, the uh, the consistency of the juice it's not designed for that that it it, it supposedly is tuned to uh put the co2 into water and cold water does work best we we found that okay. so uh i'm gonna try a few more things partly because i can get these flavored whatever yeah. and use some of the sweeteners that diabetics can use instead of sugar right. and stuff so i want to experiment a little more yeah I, I hear you. Like, as I, you know, whenever I make breads nowadays, I do all kinds of substitutions because I'm trying to, like, have the lower hypo, no, hypoglycemic. There's things that have, uh, they go into your blood sugar, but your quickly and sugar goes in quickly or slowly. Right. And so I try to go with agave and maybe yeah. honey, but not just straight sugar, uh, any, any of those kinds of things. Um, I almost always put in like canola oil if they call for butter because its taste is neutral and it's much healthier in that non-hydrogenated, fatted, et cetera way. So I just, um, and I almost always add extra fiber. I put in some flaxseed and some hemp hearts and that kind of stuff. And and I don't know, I, I like the fact that, thank you for the base recipe, but I'm going to make the owl version of it because I'm trying to, I, I think I mentioned I use carbolose flour for yeah. half of my flour, no matter whether it's bread flour or whole wheat or rye or pumpernickel, or I have all different kinds. Boy, I have many more flour. I have, you know, flaxseed meal and almond flour and all that kind of stuff. But I always try to put in, I'm trying to be a low carb. Bread doesn't spring to mind. You don't want to have <laughs> wonder bread. You know right. what I mean? But I can do something that is half of it and it doesn't seem to rise less, have any different consistency if I go with the carbolose. I haven't gone with full carbolose because I think that there must be something in the starch and the structure of how it builds. And and so, it but I'm, you know, if I'm already doing half, it doesn't seem to affect it. Should I try three quarters? What's my tipping point for, okay, now it's not bread. Now it's right, kind of, right. I, I well, it. You know also, I mean? if you went with like strict carbolose or even almond or oat flour or something, yes. that's going to make one loaf of bread like $30. <laughs> and, and that's true too. You know, at once I have them in my shelf in my little OXO containers, they're all equal. But when I go to refill it, it's like, good Lord, almond meal is like 30 bucks, like you said. Yeah. It's $3, like yeah. bread flour. You uh, know? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the drug dealer <laughs> selling weed. You buy it in baggies. Yeah, I need a dime bag of oatmeal flour. <laughs> <laughs> I, In my mind, when I first started doing this, I had some, uh, I used to go, like, there's a big display often called from Bob's Red Mill. They're the place that takes over the grocery store and they have all variety of stuff. And so when I would go through and say, well, I want to have a good variety. And when I have a recipe that calls for it, well, this one wants tapioca flour. But like you said, that's 10 bucks compared to two. You know, maybe I'm just going to put that off until I have almost everything else I need. And then yeah. I'll go with the sorghum or the tapioca or the stuff that, because it's unpopular, because it costs more to process, 
it's the high priced spread. You know what I mean? So, yeah. oh, well, now I have almost everything because I just said, uh, you know, what's 10 bucks? It'll last me for a year. It's not like I make tapioca bread again right. and again and again. Give it a try. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So here's a topic we don't normally touch upon. And I, I just mentioned it. Now, there's a lot of states going with the legalization of weed. Ohio hasn't been one of them. But one of the doctors Gina works with, did you know there is a variant that is legal in Ohio that you can buy literally at various stores, you know, just wherever? So meaning like CBD type stuff? Yes. Or is it, see, because I always wonder about that. Like, I know that CBD is supposed to have these good qualities, but yes. none of the... Um, um, what would you call it? Psychedelic qualities, the, the drug yeah. qualities, if you will. But, but that's a fine line. You know yeah. what I mean? How <laughs> unreactive, unpsychoactive does it have to be that you can still call it CBD instead of marijuana? Right, exactly. <laughs> and so one of the doctors she works with just okay. was chatting with him one day. He goes, well, you know, Huff and stuff here over in Kent, they sell the Delta, Delta 8 variant. It's legal. And she was like, what are you talking about? Now, oh, and none my. of our kids are druggies, but right. uh, I'm not going to say names, but the one child likes a bit of weed smoke every now and then. It's like, okay, just don't burn the house down, dude. Yep. But I uh, found out about this and they went over to Puff and Stuff and asked about it. And they brought out um, Rice Krispie treats and brownies and you could smoke it and they have oils. And it's all oh, legal wow. in Ohio. It's called the Delta 8 variant. And wow. So and, how, how sad that it's got Delta variant in the yeah, name of oh, it. Oh, yeah, and that's hilarious. Clients. You know, yeah. Oh, my God, this climate, that that's, oh, that's like, oh, my, well, but, but apparently it is, it has an effect. Well, okay. So, effect, not you know, only, you know, curing your arthritis. Yes, that's it. My, my wife is not a okay. druggie. She's never wanted to go out in, you know, the back streets and buy drugs. But okay. her, the doctor told her. Because she's been having some trouble sleeping uh, and menopause and her two knees. Plus, she's had a very stressful year. <laughs> you know? yeah. So he said, this is legal in Ohio. It's not you're, you're not going to overdose and end up in ER. And it doesn't have the uh, paranoid effects. So you're not going to be freaking out or anything. He's like, "Take it, get a gummy and cut it in half. Take that before bed. You'll relax. You'll sleep better. Uh, and... So she's tried some. Okay. It does make her giggly if she takes it early enough. <laughs> um, and she gets oh a little out there because I'm like, did you take a gummy? That's the way she's <laughs> acting. But she said it's been helping her sleep. And, and you know, I know, I know even mention it. People are like, oh, my God, you're doing drugs. You're doing weed. You're doing marijuana. It's like, mm -hmm. hold on a second. This is as legal as tobacco and alcohol. <laughs> Right. And, you know, people take and both caffeine and yeah, all and the energy caffeine. drinks and all, you know what I yeah. mean? Our society has long been incredibly hypocritical about what it terms a drug. Yes. person to what's acceptable and what's not. Right. I mean, yeah. I know people that oh, my back hurts, so they want to get oxycodone because their back hurts a bit. I'm like, well, get off the couch and move a little bit and strengthen your back and it won't hurt, <laughs> you know, but, but that, People don't want to interfere. Oh, you know, I don't want to interfere. But oh my gosh, you went to puff and stuff and got a legal amount of this. That's terrible. So I mean, it, I grew up. My my mother. Oh my god, drugs. Never want to do drugs to the point where 
she wouldn't give us aspirin or anything when I was younger. It's like, well, we'll wait a while and see if it gets better. You know, so I grew up, if I don't have to take medicine, I don't. Um, And I know if she knew... about any of this she would probably she's catholic we always joke about this she she'd probably be out there flagellating herself and praying <laughs> what, what and, kind of child did i raise you yes know? exactly <laughs> but you know the thinking is if i can go to the store and buy i could go to the store right now and buy three cases of budweiser and i i could sit right. in my house and drink them all night long three you know what three cases would do to me Al? <laughs> i would be in the emergency room i can buy tobacco and smoke it until my lungs are black and fall out. I can uh, caffeine until I'm edgy, uh, whatever. So what's the difference with this? If they said it's legal, then it must be as acceptable as that. You know, it's that mindset. We are, as we often laugh about, we're once again, very aligned. I've always (laughs) thought it was ridiculous to see what things were legal and what were not. And it didn't seem to have any basis uh, of consistency, of potency. It was just historic. It was just the lobbies were stronger for the one than the other. Um, I know one of the things that that I'm really happy about is, I don't know that I want everybody else to now be a pothead and, and sit around doing nothing, the silly stereotype. But what I am happy about is, even research into its reasonable uses was illegal for a long time, all of my lifetime. And now that that is finally thawing, they're finding out that it's, of course, not all the same. We've always known that there were various different, you know, generations and locales for growing marijuana. And this was the Wowie Zowie or whatever else it might be. But scientifically, it's not just a matter of word of mouth. Now they're finding out that, yes, the Delta 8 variant has these effects, but to this limited extent. And doing the assay, the potency of all those things, it's always been that every drug it's of course a matter of how potent it is. You know, drugs are poisons in a lot of cases. That's why you get an overdose. But if you take it at the right level for your body weight and for your right or whatever else it might be, so the fact that they're now making it that it's in a dispensary and that people really are kind of licensed to know about these products and guide you to well, that's the, the thing that you want. That's this, fantastic. This variant and for the amounts they sell, there's no license. There's no dispensary. Okay. It's literally just on a shelf. Uh, well, it's behind the counter. You can't, you know, people can't walk in okay. and swipe it, but I can go in there and buy a t-shirt. I can buy a poster and I can buy some brownies. And, yeah. it, you know, and, the, and these are just college kids working a, a part-time job. Uh, exactly. So exactly. it's not, uh, it, I mean, it's not regulated any more than alcohol, uh, you yeah. know, which is at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think I mentioned this before. I'm really like pure as the driven snow. I have had, I've had alcohol. I've never smoked pot. I've never, I've never done any drug. Uh, I, I kind of like had that early. I like my brain, how it works. And I don't want anything that might affect it, especially any long-term effects. I don't want to be foolish, stupid when you get too much of various different things in you. And having said that, Colleen and I just watched a, um, documentary called Fabulous Fungi. And I had actually read a lot about this. You know, psilocybin, they're finding out more and more that magic mushrooms, have some really good effects on uh, uh, keeping your brain active, um, having you feel like tied into the world in a way that it's a it's a trip in some cases, and yet it doesn't. I don't know how to. Overall, what I've read and this thing were kind of interesting enough that Colleen and I like looked at each other and said, you know, I kind of want to try that. And I have never said that about anything before. 
And so it's not ever been cocaine so I can be more intense or it's not ever been MDMA because I want to hug people. It's kind of funny. I've been able to fake being drug knowledgeable because I read all the time and you'll learn about what does ecstasy right. do and whatever else it might be. <laughs> but having said that, I don't know, am I at that age now where I just, I, I wouldn't mind having, if I really yeah. got the desire to be more connected to the world in general, to people, to the plant kingdom, to the fungus kingdom, and, and that they are also doing the experiments and finding out what's the right dosage and that it'll be, you know, she and I will do it like one first and then the other so that someone's there to like, we'll talk Catch you down you. in case you're going oh, weird. Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to do any of the stupid stuff of right. not knowing how much it should be. I don't want to go looking for it in the forest because I know I'll find the death's head mushroom <laughs> instead of the gosh darn psilocybin. And, and so I just, I don't know where that came from that I was just like, I'm kind of curious. Well, I have it, been so staunch about keeping right. I agree. When I was on my melanoma regimen and I had to be taking, um, was it Prozac? I think it was Prozac. And it did fuzz me out a little bit. I couldn't always find words. I was forgetting people's names. And I, I, I'm going to get through this without tearing up. I read Flowers for Algernon long ago about how someone is, you know, artificially enhanced intelligence wise, and then they see it start to fade. Yeah. And that was a nightmare for me. What it's going to be like when I finally realize, oh my God, for all of my smarts, I'm now losing a step. I don't want to go to losing a step. I want right. to be this amazing brain as big as a planet guy that I've always been. Right. And so that's why I've kind of really avoided all that stuff. I didn't want to have anything that I was stupid about. I don't know. Am I 62 now? And now it seems well, okay. But, but uh, you know, I don't know, a, man. There's also a mindset and, you know, thing to it because alcohol at one point was prohibited. So if that hadn't got repealed in 2021, right now, alcohol would be as illegal as marijuana, you right. know, and we would and be with thinking no of it. proven bad side effects. You know what yeah. I mean? It really does. Oh, well, yes. yeah. And, and we'd be thinking of it the same, but you know, somebody classified these things as drugs and this, you know, I can go to the store and I can get krill oil and fish oil and take that, but that's as natural as mushrooms. <laughs> that's right. You know, so, so the whole growth of the energy drink, energy drink market has boggled my mind. Cause yeah. like, how is that different than like buying methamphetamines when you were a truck driver and you had to stay awake all night? How are yeah. we so accepting of this where it was absolutely not acceptable a generation ago? Because you know it's marketing. I mean? <laughs> It's how it's marketed. Yep. And, you know, you've seen the stories. 16-year-old kids drinking a case of energy drinks have a heart attack at 16. Exactly. I just. Well, <sighs> how is, but, but people don't bat an eye. And, oh, I don't want to tell. You know, I've told all my kids that. I'm like, guys, I'm telling you now, you're drinking all these energy drinks. When you go in the hospital at 25, I'm not wasting my time to take care of you because oh, you're choosing that. Exactly. Another thing is, I just, I've always had a thing about addiction. I, yeah, I don't want I to have anything that I can't do without. So the few times, for instance, that I went hiking and got a headache and I realized it's not because this hike is hard. It's because I haven't had my morning caffeine and I really am that much of a caffeine addict. Fuck, I couldn't believe it. Right. And yet, that's a very, it's the most acceptable addiction yeah. that we have. And we don't even think of it as a drug. Yeah. And, but then when you look at the chart of what's the most addictive, it's like heroin is number one and caffeine is right there at number two. Right. You can't do without it once you put it into your system. Right. So. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I usually have a cup or two of coffee. I was drinking one here, yeah. but I, I really, once I have my second one, 
if I try a third one, normally it's like, yeah, it doesn't taste good anymore. And I don't even finish it. So yeah. I, I've got that cap at two. <laughs> there you go. In fact, I, I will happily volunteer this. You know, I, so I, I, I continue to have little health things that I have to take care of. One of the things was I went through atrial fibrillation and got that fixed with my, my ablation. I had atrial flutter, got that fixed with a cardioversion. My heart has been doing fine. And yet, I've had a couple times where I woke up and I was aware something was funny with my heart. And you know, you don't want to be aware of your heart. You want it to just do its autonomous job and never worry about what's funny that I'm aware of it. Right. And I had premature beats after I went in to get a, um, uh, an EKG, uh, um, um, sonic, etc. They said that I, I don't have anything on the regular basis of I go in and out of rhythm or something like that, but that occasionally I had a premature beat. And I, they recommended, and I read enough, like, it's probably caffeine. Your body really does lose its ability to handle caffeine. Back when I was in college, and that's how I did my studying and stuff, I have um, much what you just talked about. I have caffeine in the morning. I have my diet Dr. Pepper in the morning. And as of noon, I cut off and I go to caffeine-free diet soda. I haven't gone to soda stream way yet. But now I'm not anywhere near as often getting up in the middle of the night to pee. I don't wake up with premature beats. It really was, wow, even that totally, totally acceptable addiction, it's not right for me. I'm yeah. happy to have weaned myself off. I've noticed that I'm not staying up till two in the morning anymore. It really was. I'm hyper-stimulated, and I love it because I love playing my game and listening to my use speaking stuff. So now maybe I'm going to bed earlier, reading a little bit different. I, I kind of miss the hour, two hours a day that I might have had because of caffeine, but in exchange for me not falling over with a, a stroke i'll take it. yeah you get a decade of <laughs> it's life okay to slow down at 62 yeah. a little bit you know yeah, it, I mean? it, it's so. crazy because i am i have a bad health history in my family and that's what i keep telling my son it's like dude you're yeah. heading down the same path but you're worse right. sorry about you're, your inheritance but yeah because he <laughs> yeah. exercises way less than i ever did mm. at that age he mm. drinks way more pop than i ever did he eats way more junk food candy snacks and stuff than i did yeah. i i ate plenty of that, but not as much because I knew where my health was. So I really didn't start getting problems until I was approaching 40. And they started out minor. They're, you know, diabetes now is this close. So I got to watch it. But I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, you're going to ruin a couple decades of your life where you're going to have all these health problems. And kids, you know, we were that way. We don't realize it. We don't think about right. it. You're invulnerable. You're indestructible. You're internal. You just I, don't, I can, my, my body can take it. Why would it, I not have this? It, you know? it's, it's like uh, Joe's Crab Shack, free crab tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's always, I can worry about this tomorrow. I can do yeah. something about it tomorrow. I am happy that I didn't immediately become a food prude, if you will, when I was young, because I don't mind having had uh, just the, the, the wallowing at a, a death by chocolate event where I really had more chocolate than I should have, but I didn't kill myself. I, right. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I had, I gained a pound. I might have the next day had whatever, but I, I, I never in my life until I got diagnosed as being pre-diabetic, have I ever had a thing where, um, wow, I shouldn't have eaten that. It put me to sleep because my blood sugar is wrong. I have had things where like, well, I shouldn't eat that because I'm gassy now. But you know what I mean? Right, right. It never seemed to be a matter of life and death. It seemed to be a matter of like public humiliation. <laughs> you know, don't don't eat all that broccoli and then go play poker. <laughs> well, I take it back. Poker with the boys, that's exactly the time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, so. and, and we've talked about this and I've been finding this out yeah. is 
Um, so they Briars make some carb smart ice cream, which has okay. lower carbs, and the taste isn't bad. And I found a smaller company, kind of expensive, but they have a caramel sauce they make that's half the carbs of also. like Smuckers and stuff. So I'm okay. like, okay, I can have a bowl of chocolate ice cream and some caramel sauce on it. And I'm satisfied and it's not spiking my blood sugar. Well, my mother made like a uh, pineapple upside down cake, but it was with rhubarb. So it was like a rhubarb upside down cake. Interesting. Okay. Two nights in a row. So I had the rhubarb upside down cake, a good size chunk, nothing outrageous, but a good okay. chunk. And then I had- the next- We got to have it for mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had a bowl of chocolate ice cream with caramel sauce. Checked my blood sugar both times. The caramel sauce and ice cream spiked it to 138. Okay, a little high, not outrageous, nothing to like run through the streets screaming about. Okay. Uh, but if I don't eat ice cream every day, I'm, you know, and watch what I'm eating before that, I, I'm okay. I understand that now. Yeah. The rhubarb upside down cake, 198. I was wow. like, wow, I am never eating that again. And I don't think it was that particular thing. I think it was the yellow cake that she made. And it was a homemade recipe, not a box thing. Yeah, but she wasn't doing any substitutions. She was, right, right. And and I know if I eat, and I've tried to explain this. My cousin, he got diagnosed with uh, A1C of Uh, 9.8. Wow, way over seven. Okay, yeah. yeah. And other people, you know, I've tried, because maybe I'll grab... I told you about all the candies now that are zero sugar, but maybe I'll grab a, a regular Snickers that you know, yeah. and I'll eat one. And people are like, "Oh my god, aren't you diabetic? You can't eat that." I'm like, um, "Actually, I can eat this, but not that bowl of mashed potatoes." There you because go. Because of how you they affect which you. ones affect your particular system, or yeah, and, and people don't understand that. Yeah, it's honestly you're you're doing really well in terms of you have checked so many things and you can actually say you know the numbers right and, and when people are worried for you you can say well actually don't worry because it, neither one of these should i have but i can afford if you will this one it doesn't have that much of an effect you 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 are managing it actively instead of just the hell with it all i'm yep. going to eat everything i want and then they're going to visit you in the hospital right you know so that's <laughs> and I, I truly have also seen that the days I exercise, walk on the treadmill, maybe do some exercises with Connect. I still use Xbox Connect. Um, And the days I do some exercise, push my body a bit, my blood sugar is usually lower that day for the same foods that it'll spike it a little higher on days that I don't exercise. So exercise really does help level it out for me. Exactly. I've, I've been walking in the mornings. One of those things I should have done this all along. Often Colleen and I would go for a walk in the evening and it's amazing how anything that happens during the day, it keeps giving you that. I really going to go for a walk at eight or nine or 10. And I kind of like the world being to myself, but I've discovered if you go first thing in the morning instead of last thing in the day, you get that same thing. And then your body gets a metabolism raise, of course, right. the entire day. So it's, I don't know that I've lost that much weight, but I feel better except for my left knee is now you're serious about this? You know what I mean? It, it, I, because I walk rigorously. I don't amble. I really motor. And I, I guess the combination of I'm carrying too much weight and it's concrete sidewalks and stuff like that, that now I have something's not quite right. And I have, it hasn't given out on me. And it isn't like I can't, it's just not right. So, right. you know, it's humbling to, I always, you know, way, way back when I was rugby tough, I'm just not that anymore. Right. I wake up with my knee still hurting. Gosh and- darn it. And you I'm know, assuming <laughs> you've got a good pair of shoes. Uh, that's right. something I talked to Frankie because the jobs he's been working lately, he's on his feet 
all the time. And he said his legs were hurting. I might get a good pair of shoes and he'd go to Walmart and get a 15. I'm like, no, go look at like $60, a hundred dollars, go get a good. And he said, Oh my God, it made such a difference. And I worry about Jason, the youngest, because when he walks, he stomps like Godzilla and slams his foot down and we keep telling him quit stomping. He's like, I'm not. I'm like, you really are. I'm like, there go your arches. <laughs> there goes your, your ankles, your knees yeah. and everything, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree and swear by what you just said. I discovered drew Aaron's. You know, I actually went to a place that diagnosed with a little multi needly type thing. What, where you're, if you have foot, um, pronation or hyperpronation and where the, how your arch is. And so I got the shoes that are supportive. I knew I wanted to be walking. So they are uh, just enough extra support so that you don't get any kind of foot roll in or out. And they have absolutely whatever I used to get occasionally sore footed, especially from hiking and so forth. These guys without inserts or anything are just wonderful. And they are indeed like 100, 125 bucks a pair. And yet I get them two pairs at a time and they last usually for multiple nice. years. And I now have like eight pair over the course of time. So when I'm going to do a lot of walking, I get my freshest pair. And when I'm going to just like go shopping, I get the oldest pair because they're still fine, but they're not as good as I'm really going right. to top myself for five miles. You know what um, I mean? So yeah. anyway. Yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> good stuff. All right. So let's see. I'm trying to think what else. I think we covered most <laughs> of what we talked about at one point. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. Um, you got to read a load of hooey by Bob Odenkirk. It's hilarious. Um, okay. Let's see. Nuff said, which is a comic book compilation of all silent stories, no oh. dialogue, not even any uh, uh, caption boxes. It was a challenge put to a whole bunch of different artists nice. and writers and they, they did it really well. And then I know I, I don't mean to go on too long. Um, well, I'll throw some music out. Um, okay. I mentioned this artist before she's local from Mahoning County country mm-hmm. music artist. Um, Real quick, her story, uh, her family did a cover band for Sugarland, uh, and she was the singer. Okay. And she graduated from high school and went to Mount Union College, and they continued playing music. Uh, she has a biochemistry degree from Mount Union. So she did that before she did anything with her music career. Uh, okay. And she's been working on that, touring with her family band, um, and now she's been signed down in Nashville. And she's got some stuff already that's shown up on country charts a couple times. Uh, you know, hi. back on biochemistry in case this doesn't work out. <laughs> exactly. But her, she's okay. amazing. Her voice is wonderful. I've, wonderful. I, I loved her since the first time we saw her. Gina, we'd love to go see him. So anyway, we went and saw him a couple weeks ago. First time we've seen him in almost two years. And she is moving to Nashville with her fiance because it's a real deal. Okay. Uh-huh, she's really doing it. And she's so anyway, she just, she had a acoustic album a while back, four song EP, but one of the songs was really popular. So they went into the studio and recorded it. So it's coming out end of this week. It's called Yellow Sundress, the Yellow Sundress song. Okay. Um, so I'll put a link in that. Um, uh, what's her name? What, what's uh, AC Jones? Thank you. Okay. Uh, and I'll okay. put a link in. I, I've you know I've got all her albums that you know she's had so far. <laughs> fantastic uh, that's wonderful and, so that's been my music since we went and saw him and i'm like i i told my kids i told gina several years ago i'm like 
We need to see her as much as we can because she's Still not going to be, be here forever. Stadiums instead of bars. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think that's good for you. I love that. I love your discovery and I love that you shared it because I love hearing about if you, unless you told me about this, I probably never would have stumbled right. across her, but now you give me this great gift. Yeah. Well she's done. Good, cool. Some good stuff. I love, I mean, it, okay. it's the modern country. So it's a little poppy. Okay. Uh, you know, but I think most of her stuff's really good. And I've got things that she doesn't even offer anymore that you can't find on Spotify and that because it was Excellent. before she got signed. So yeah, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. Let, Later, man. John Prine. I got John Prine and everyone should get more John Prine. He's gone now. <laughs> COVID took him. So damn you, uh, Donald Trump for killing John Prine. There. We'll end with that. <laughs> there you go. Good way to end. All right, man. Okay. Take care, Stephen. Later. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.